This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> all right, guys, welcome back. Part three of three. Into the home stretch now for our talk about graded cards and the market there got same three of us here back we're trying to keep it consistent for you yep. uh, topics we're going to cover today we're going to go over population report and how it works and why it's not necessarily the most reliable thing uh, some inefficiencies in grading with magic and how that may or may not exist in a mature market like coins and then parallels between magic and the coin market specifically there was an event in the late 80s where wall street just dumped a bunch of money into coins and how that affected things. So let's kick it off. So the population report uh, is a pretty big deal in most graded markets. And a lot of people like to follow that when they just get in just to see uh, what things are looking like, especially in Magic. And they'll try and track down cards to meet those grades. So, you know, you want to grade something in 9 and 9.5 just to pick up a premium. And what you wind up have happening is people will get back a grade they dislike and because this is a human problem they'll pop a case and send that card right back to try and get that higher grade and so what happens is you have these really skewed population reports and it could be skewed uh, going up it could be skewed in kind of uh, a pyramid kind of way where you just are short on let's say uh, an 8.5 and a 9.5, but you're tall on a 9 because those cards kept grading a 9, so you just kept popping 9s, yeah. right? And that leads to kind of this state where the population reports just can't be trusted a lot of the times. And in Magic, it seems almost pretty naive to want to rely on the population report because of how immature this market is, and a lot of people just don't understand that popping cases is common, it's easy, and it's something that everybody does that is entrenched in this market, is the population report in uh, coins or a market like coins something that you can trust? Or does the, the similar things happen where people try and game them? Uh, it's definitely similar to Magic in that regard. You do have a lot of uh, people who crack coins out, send them back in to try and get higher grades. Uh, you know, the population reports are so distorted. Like, if you look at some of the better dates, uh, you know, there's, you can, so PCGS, you, mm -hmm. you go to their website where they post our population reports, uh, well, they also offer high quality imaging services and the images for every coin are in a database. So you click the date, you click all pictures and you could see people take the same coin and they resubmit it six, seven, eight times till they wow. finally get the grade they want. I've personally seen coins that have been, uh, imaged there like 10, 12 times, uh, before they finally got the grade they wanted. So, it's definitely... The population reports are trash. Just the pictures <laughs> are there, and they don't... they don't. The certain numbers are still valid, so they're still showing up. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody really cares about the populations and coins as much outside of, like, the, the finest known couple examples. That's all that really matters. It's, like, yeah. the top pops. So, you get a top pop. I've never made a top pop. But if you get a top pop, you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Somebody yeah. out there is going to pay you for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, when it comes to coins in the population report, uh, digitally and uh, physical copies, 
when you, let's say you hit that uh, first high grade of a a sought after coin is the information attached to that coin and the person that submitted it available online and in the physical copy so if let's say you wanted to go out and buy that coin you can look at the pop report for that coin and figure out who has it well you can't really find out who submitted or anything like that but you can there's a lot of people who track them and it will make waves when you when you make a new top pop mm -hmm. uh you know on the forums on reddit i've seen people talk about it uh usually okay. it's the case of a coin that just upgrades it's not something new coming out of the woodwork very rarely do you see a, a top pop come from being raw for 50 years and then get graded and you know uh, okay. be the new finest known example that's exceptionally rare it's usually somebody getting a half point upgrade because we have plus grades we have plus grades in our uh, coins so you can have like oh. a 60 a 60 plus all the way up to like 68 plus so okay. that so you'll see a coin that goes from 68 to 68 plus and becomes a new top pop for example uh yeah. it's not an example not not something where our coin comes out of nowhere it's always something almost always something that was already known and if you look at two coins side by side to be able to tell it's better okay uh, you know okay. sometimes it's just a matter of spinning it 20 times Letting them make all their money before they'll put it in the right holder. For you. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair. So, uh, what does the plus actually mean? Does it mean it's just slightly better, but not good enough to get the next number up? Basically, it means it's the top twenty percent of the grade. I think that's okay. the, the metric they use. Top twenty okay. percent. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily add a ton of value. It's typically between five and fifteen percent. Mm -hmm. There is one case I can tell you of a queen that I bought. Uh, I paid five hundred dollars for it raw. I mm -hmm. sent it in for grading. It graded sixty-five. Uh, I sold it for three thousand dollars. The dealer sent it back in three times. Got a plus on it and sold it for ten thousand dollars. Wow! And I, wow. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I, was, I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" I mean, I made my money, but you yeah. know, at the same time, I left seven grand on the table. table. Yeah. yeah. Ouch! Yeah, it took me a while to get over that one. Um, but yeah, that's. That's where CAC comes in. If, see, I was in a hurry to sell that coin. If yeah. I'd taken my time, submitted it to CAC, and gotten a sticker on it, uh, John probably would have told me, send it back in and see if you can get a plus on it. Okay. It's a big jump. So even a CAC sticker in that example, if it doesn't get the plus, it's probably going to add like two or three grand on the value of the coin. Okay, that's what I was going to ask, if they CAC'd pluses as well, so it's good to know. Yeah. Well, CAC technically ignores the plus. Oh. Okay. So they don't look at that. So they just look at the grade, the base grade, and they decide is it good for the grade or not. As an yeah. ARB coin, and they actually actually have gold stickers too. So if it gets gold sticker, that means it's good for the next grade up. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay. Now on those, would you sell it? Do you sell it cacked with a gold sticker, or would you resubmit it? Let them know, hey, it cacked for a higher grade. Can you grade it at that? And it depends then... on the price jump. It depends on the okay, price jump. Fair. Yeah. Like if it's a, you know. Gold CAC stickers are tough to make, so generally they sell for a nice premium regardless. Uh, mm -hmm. I can get like a $20 coin with a gold sticker on it. That's $30 on the next grade, and I could sell a thing for like 80 bucks, Just because oh, people wow. want to have a gold sticker. You know? yeah. I expect that premium will decrease over time as they become more common. Yeah. You know, supply, yeah. demand, all that. You know? But for right now, uh, making gold stickers is a good business, but it's really tough. I've never gotten a gold sticker on any Morgan dollar, and that's my specialty. Wow. Okay. I think uh, I gave up, and I, I just bought when I gave up. You know. <laughs> Fair enough. Something happens yeah. similarly with uh, BGS grades. I think when you get the first pure ten, you get the black label, yep. and um, any other time you hit a ten after that, you get another color uh, label. But it basically just kind of 
yeah. reacts similarly at, to the the gold cac. It just yeah. adds that premium. It's, it's a huge premium because this was number one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that we have uh, in Magic, and I'm sure the same goes for minting coins, is that you will have defects in in those objects. Manufacturing. Yeah, manufacturing defects. And if you were to take, say, an Alpha uh, Holy Armor, sorry, yeah, Alpha Holy Armor or an Alpha Gray Ogre mm-hmm. out of pack, you should almost never uh, receive a 10 grade for those because of where they exist on the sheet. Uh, Alpha Holy Armor is on one corner, uh, I believe. Somebody told me it's bottom right, which means Gray Ogre, I think, is bottom left. And those Something cards like that, yeah. generally are tilted enough to never grade a 10. And you can see that on the, the pop report, which I'll, I'll pull up. And you can also see what we were talking about uh, on the Gray Ogre. You can see a very heavy population in 9, and there are 14 uh, 9.5s. Similarly, for Holy Armor, we see a ton at 9, and then that little pyramid I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, is there anything similar in, in coins where you know you're just never going to get that perfect grade because they were just never minted properly? or Well, that boils down to a difference in how coins are graded versus how cards are graded. Um, coins with mint defects, uh, you're supposed to ignore the mint defect outside of its effect on eye appeal. So, okay. you know, coins okay. are graded by... There's a lot of things that go into grading coins. There's four main factors. Uh, luster, eye appeal, uh, luster, eye appeal, contact marks, and uh, I forget the last one offhand. But anyway, the point yeah. is, uh, at the end of the day, if it affects eye appeal, it can affect the grade. Mm-hmm. But on older coins, that's not really, you know, a major concern. For example, on uh, early silver coins, dollars, silver dollars, the mint would actually weigh the coin for striking, and if it was over, they would take a file, and they would shave off some of the silver to get it down to spec. And then they strike it, and you can still see the, the, the file marks on the coin after striking, but that does not affect the grain, because that's how it was minted. So, Okay. okay. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah. they basically account for that in the grading process, then? Like, More or less. we know this defect exists, so we'll shift the grade accordingly. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Even on some dates that are weaker struck, uh, that's that's the fourth factor. I forgot actually strike how well yeah. how well the coin is struck. Some dates that just don't come nicely struck, they account for that in the grading, and um, you know, so yeah. yeah, so you know, there's a lot of variables. You know, you you can have a coin that looks has the surfaces of an almost uncirculated coin, but has the actual detail of like uh, say very fine, which is several grades lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because that year came meekly struck, it'll still be graded up because they know that it left the mint looking like crap to start with. Yeah. Okay. And does that information so, come from just seeing a consistent flow of coins like that, or is that information you can actually find from the mints themselves? Uh, it's more of a, uh, it's more of like a, a trial by fire kind of thing. You just learn as you go. Okay. There's a lot of resources out there in coins. That's the nice thing about material markets. Again, there's a ton of information out there in coins. Uh, you know, for example, I know you can you can pull the minutes for any coin, and any United States coin, you can pull up the minutes for it. So. It's all public know, information. Mint yeah. runs and everything. Wow. Yeah, so print man. runs. Yeah, Must you don't know nice. that. Man. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. So, yeah, it's you just kind of learn as you go along. There's tons of uh, stuff out there. PCGS CleanFax is great. They have like write-ups on like almost every single coin, and you know they give you a lot of details. And uh, you, the more you read, the more you learn. Uh, there's a saying in coins: "Buy the book before you buy the coin." Yeah. 
it's okay. it bears itself out yeah yeah otherwise you're gonna get taken to school oh yeah absolutely yeah uh, did you have a question jason yeah so i was gonna say you know i it's interesting then that they have that effect on that like they account for that type of stuff in the market so it's similar to you know for example uh here is an ultimate masters regular card that is tacoing that's that's a taco you can see mm -hmm. it taco so if i send this off to bgs you know that might affect the surface grade for it and they don't care that it's awful print quality that wizards is suddenly using I don't know what is it like purple, purple cores in their cards, or that the paper tacos after like thirty seconds, and coins like is there a clear demarcation point where they started accounting for that? Like is there? Yeah. Okay, I know if this is graded before ninety five, they're not going to account for that, and I should resubmit after I check the pop report. I won't say that there's a clear delineation there. Uh, it's you know. They, they understand when they use certain types of presses and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So production methods are, are well known for them because it's all public records. It's all well researched. So the graders, the, the finalizers and the grading companies know certain cutoff dates by heart okay. when production standards changed. So they can account for all that in the grading. Uh, clean graders make good money. It's a really hard job. Uh, and you've really got to know your shit. I mean, it's tough. Uh, like I, I, I couldn't hack it as a grader, and I've been collecting and buying and selling coins for like 15 years now. Wow. I mean, I'm yeah. getting there, but I'm not quite there. In my series, I could do it, but these guys can handle pretty much any coin you throw at them, and they can grade it. It's impressive stuff. You know? and yeah. wow. There are things like, say, they won't grade, for example, say a coin that's, uh, let's say the planchet, which is like what the coin is on, was cut before it was struck. They will not grade that unless you pay extra for error grading service so huh okay yeah so there's like lots of little things like that that you know you, you find basically out basically like a misprint grade then on it or basically basically okay. yeah so well. i actually i have an error coin here um this one here uh is a half dollar basically it was struck once normally and then instead of getting ejected from the striking chamber it was struck again uh, and the die that goes, the, there's three dies. There's one on the top, one on the bottom, and there's one that goes around that keeps the coin in the striking chamber. The one that goes around the striking chamber wasn't there when I was struck again, so it mushroomed out a little bit. Uh, it's called a broad okay. strike. So I had to pay a hundred bucks to get that clean graded, wow. rather than thirty dollars. Yeah, because they have a specialist to look at it, figure out what happened to it, and. You know, they got to make their money. Specialist yeah. has to make his money. He's an outside consultant. He doesn't actually work for. So. Oh, okay. Does that change the okay. anything on the slab? I didn't get this. I didn't take a good look at the top. What's that? The, the slab itself. Does it itself. change anything on the slab? Like, is there special information to say yeah. this was an error grade? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if you could see here. It's probably reversed. But that says uh, double stroke, broad strike on it. Read yep, it, Edge. It does. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. Yeah, versus like a regular one, which looks like uh, like this. Yeah, just says the serial number and all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is an older holder. This is one of the ones that actually goes for more money because it's got a green <laughs> insert versus a blue insert. It's it's a whole thing. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that that's interesting. Like to know that you could come back with a, a cert on an error. Like I've got a soul flare kicking around from a, a draft a foil. 
that uh, wasn't pressed all the way, so the foil layer is just falling off the white background of the card. I can literally peel the entirety of the art oh, off wow. the card. It's and I, you can't grade that card because they can't hold it. Like the wrong move, and it just falls off. You're, yeah, your albino mountain goat. Yeah, get get the should I should I grade the albino mountain goat? Yeah. Uh. The alabaster alabaster potion. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just really interesting to me is that there's, you know, because the misparent community and magic is pretty close knit. It's pretty small, and everybody basically knows everybody. You know who's holding the test print cities. You know who has all of that stuff. And the fact that there's, you know, in a mature coin market, actual specialists at the grading company says to me that one, the misprint, air quotes, community in coins has got to be bigger than it is in magic. And there's got to be a lot higher population. Like, you don't have a specialist that comes in and grades it that you pay for it unless there's enough demand there, right? So is that, you know, is it just a, just by volume? I mean, you have how many coins minted a year, and of course, a portion of them are going to be misprinted in exponential quantity to magic. Um, so that's that's interesting to me that that exists in the coin market because it is so much more mature and it's had time to develop that. So, in the major hours, people know who hold the major hours, like the like the double headed coins and stuff like that. There's yeah. no such thing as a true double headed coin. But there's, uh, for example, there's gold dollars. You can find yeah. mules that have, like, Sacagawea on the front and the George Washington quarter, like the eagle on the back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can find mules like that. There's only a few of those known. And generally, no, it's it's known who has those ones. Okay. Uh, you know, the true double-headed ones, which are rare, actually. The, the one queen stays in the chamber and is struck with the other one. And so you get the impression on both sides. That's the only yeah. way that happens. Uh, that is those there's a couple of those they're pretty rare but generally yeah. it's known who holds that kind of stuff you know that's because they're just so rare and when they come to market and they sell they're selling at auctions people aren't selling these things privately because you're going to max your money in an auction so mm -hmm. yeah people know who's buying it you know yeah wow. so, that's fair yeah that's pretty cool it it's really interesting to see that with enough time mark magic could mature into something similar to uh, the coin market or the the comic or action figure market when it comes to uh, collectibles like this. Yeah. Or grades like this. But one thing we haven't experienced yet that the coin market has is just an influx of big money. So right. something you sent us earlier that I'm going to put up now is the PCGS report that spans from January of 1970 to December of 2017. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, PCGS 3000. So that looks at 3000 coins. Uh, and essentially, it just looks at uh, what, what they've been worth over time. And you'll see that in like 89, there was this huge spike. That was when actually hedge funds started forming to buy graded coins, which is crazy. So the market ran up really quickly and created this huge bubble. And that obviously didn't last. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, big money has been in coins like ever since then because of the uh, the tamper freeness of the holders, like the, the assurance that, you know, that the holder is good and the fact that the, these companies will buy back coins that turn on their holders where they have a problem that comes up later. 
they are supposed to buy them back, and generally they will. You can track how many coins PCGS buys back on their website. Uh, it's not many. Yeah, like yeah. they might spend twenty thousand dollars a month buying back coins, yep. which isn't a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know? But they do occasionally have like big mistakes they make. Like they they graded a a, a cent. They graded it like MS seventy red, which is the first perfect grade they gave out, and the coin turned brown in the holder. So they had to buy it back. They shelled out like twenty five grand, I think, for that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for when, a penny. Wow. So when you wow. say uh, or a, a coin turns in its holder, you don't mean like rotates. You mean changes color in the holder. Something goes wrong. Yeah. The yeah. Coin. So yeah, they'll, they'll usually buy it back. Um, but again, you know, grading at the end of the day is an opinion. Yeah. And yeah, they're if they if, if they decide that you know they don't want to drop twenty grand, they're not going to change our opinion. Oh. Yeah. oh no, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and, yeah, and I think this is something we talked about earlier. When you have uh, a big player come in or a series of big players, it doesn't really make uh, many ripples just because the market is just so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's uh, you know ripples more or less unless you're like Dudley Hanson yeah. and you walk in. He's making waves in the market, but he's spending a lot of money yeah like you know like multiples of what i could ever imagine spending what most people combined could ever imagine spending yeah. on coins. yeah no so it's, you, yeah when somebody like that comes in and they're looking to to just buy a ton of high-end quality are the ripples mainly on that side of the spectrum on the very high end where not a lot of people are going to feel these so you you know somebody who's working in Morgan Dodge like yourself won't necessarily feel the ripple of somebody walking into the market and just buying up, you know, five hundred thousand dollar coins. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't really see much effect on the lower end of the market. It's a very bifurcated market, mm-hmm. and that's something I think you'll see in Magic is you'll see that alpha, beta stuff really start to separate, in my opinion, because uh, you know, my dad told me when I was a kid, he's like, buy things rich people will like. And we'll always like and collect, and you'll do a bell in life, because you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's good advice. Yeah. yeah I mean. Rich people are always going to make more money. They're always going to have more money to spend. Yep. And that part of the market is always going to be strong. So you know, like the, the middle class of the clean market is like dead right now, uh, yeah. but the upper end of the market is going as strong as ever. So, it's you know where the money you got to follow the money at the end of the day and where the yeah. big money is is always generally going to do well because those people see those kind of uh, financial layouts mm-hmm. as investments and they want to see a return on their investment yeah. whereas you know somebody like me and you guys you know if we need cash and we have to sell make a stress sale you know that hurts the overall market you don't see that on the high end because they don't need to make the stress sales they okay. have the capital to weather the storm yeah no, it's yeah. pretty. It, it's pretty interesting, and like playing in that end of the market, the uh, alpha beta market is not something I do, and it's not something I have a lot of uh, visibility into. So if somebody were to just come in and clean house, it, it wouldn't affect me at all, and I really wouldn't have any kind of purview into it. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the closest thing you had was when No Senti uh, cashed out yeah. and sold a bunch of his stuff, and everyone heard about it. Everybody yeah. knew about it. But even I did. Yeah, it, like it didn't affect us. Like it was just like, oh, you know, water cooler talk. Hey, you know, I snagged yeah. a couple of test prints then because the market was deflated because he put them in. But it wasn't like, you know, I'm not dropping thirty grand for five cards. 
you know, I yeah. I remember like four to six hundred dollars for the test print, and I was like, all right, cool, done. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to you know see that that at least parallels between a mature and immature market. Now, in coins, say someone comes in and they drop thirty mil on the middle class market, mm-hmm. they drop it on Morgan dollars or something. You retired to an that, island. Yeah. Just, <laughs> First does, of does all, does that ever happen? Or <laughs> I've never really heard of something like that happening. Okay. And if something ever like that did happen, I call that person an idiot because. <laughs> There's a lot of mid-grade Morgan dollars out there. I mean, you look at the pop reports for like one day, like 1880s. It's like 120,000 queens grade. Wow. I mean, the numbers are absurd. Yeah. Jeez. Morgan dollars are super popular. Everybody grades them, and you know, there's there's so many out there that you know, if you drop 30 million on the middle class and say, uh, you you know, say that seeded material, like which basically ranges from 1838 to like 1890s. Uh, you drop 30 million on that market, it's it's going to have an effect, and mm-hmm. it, would, it would probably blow prices a lot if you were focused on buying quality material that was you know didn't have major issues. Uh, you can make a lot of stuff real expensive real fast because there's just not that much nice stuff out there, and yeah. you know there's not a lot of demand either because uh, there's so many stoppers in those sets. People don't want to collect those sets when you know there might be one date that's going to cost them 10 grand, and you know oh, yeah. that's yeah, they got a mortgage to pay. They can't afford to drop ten grand on on, on yeah. one coin. You know? Yeah, so that's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you think it's just a waiting game uh, in regards to Magic and uh, Alpha Beta graded? Like we're just waiting for somebody in our kind of age bracket to come along, somebody that made their money in Bitcoin or somebody that's been hedge funding, just ready to retire from life and buy pieces of nostalgia. Like, do you think that will come someday? Or do you think that we might be a little insulated from something like that as a, a, a hobby or, you know, a niche market, whatever you see it as? Well, I mean, if I had, I'll tell you this, if I had $10 million, I would mm-hmm. just buy the highest quality alpha and beta stuff I could. If I, if I had to spend it on anything, I would just start buying up alpha and beta cards, the nicest ones I could. And uh, I focus on quality. I focus on stacking power nine and power 10. And tools i just really focus on the, the, the stuff that people really like mm-hmm. and okay. there's a lot of demand for it and i would just make it rain on that market i like i, I just you know that's i think long term that stuff is gonna really gonna go up there's a lot of other similarities like my dad he deals in mopars he was telling me you know uh 71 hemicuda he had a chance to buy one for five grand in 1980 and he didn't and if he did he'd be like a two million dollar car today wow. so yeah okay. that's Buy low, sell high, and oh, yeah. I really think that applies to magic. So, and is that now when the graded market matures? If it does, that's going to be the stuff that moves first. That's when you yeah. know we've hit it because that stuff starts to go up. Well, when you see when you see an uh, alpha lotus sell for a million bucks, which I do believe will happen in our lifetimes, uh, that's when I'd be saying, okay, this is a mature market. The growth okay. is going to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not talking like just a random alpha lotus. I'm talking like a BGS 9.5 with yeah. like a, a couple sub tens, kind of selling for a million bucks. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of card I'm talking about. When you see that okay. happen, that's when I would say you're at a mature market and that end of the spectrum. Not necessarily everything else. I don't think okay. like yeah. modern stuff like that will ever really have that kind of collectability. Where you know, if if vintage just disappears tomorrow. That stuff's still gonna stay high in price because it's not about the utility; it's about the collectability. Collectability, yeah. Right, yeah. which is why I think that's the best comparison to the clean market. 
because you okay. know, yeah, you can spend your coins, but there's no real utility behind you know getting you know the silver value or the gold value of the coin. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, a, another question I have related is because the population <clears throat> overall of graded magic cards, uh, alpha, beta, unlimited, compared to the population of ungraded cards, even those that could pick up a nine or a ten, is uh, a lot higher. Would you expect somebody who just wanted to come in and splash the pot, so to speak? Would they? Do you think they would actually move in towards the graded cards, or could you see them looking for ungraded cards to grade to go along with what, what the graded market that exists? Basically, increase population and just kind of remove from uh, population ungraded cards. Well, I mean, I, I've dealt with people who have that kind of money before, and. Those people are busy. They don't have the time to chase down stuff like that and worry about grading stuff. They they are the kind of people who, you know, if you make $10 million a year, mm -hmm. it's not worth your time to chase down cards. It's better to pay somebody else to chase them down for you. So what I think you'll see is if somebody really wants to make an impact like that, they will go work with either one of the bigger dealers like Star City Games, who will just raise our prices on high-end stuff mm -hmm. yeah. or they'll work with uh, maybe a specialist dealer like that vintage magic guy yeah. i don't know so that's yeah. what you'll see them do i think it's not worth their time for them okay. to do the chasing themselves it's a lot more cost effective for them to focus to on what they someone. do and pay somebody else to chase it down for them yeah okay. okay so in either case it would basically be a, a medium to quick movement on things that are already graded fairly highly or a kind of slow burn on ungraded stuff is it's being sought after. You know, you're looking for things that are going to grade a 9 or a 9.5 and be damned with anything else. Well, I mean, you know, if a dealer, you know, a magic guy comes out and says, uh, I'm looking for high-end alpha stuff and I'm willing to pay, you know, up for a big time, yeah. uh, people are going to find them, you know. People yeah. find yeah. money. So I think that's how the market will work. It's kind of uh, like a funnel almost, you know. Everything's yeah. just going to funnel down eventually to where the money is, and you know that's that's how the clean business works. Most big dealers out there, they don't chase down collections. They that that's left to dudes like me who end up buying the collections and then we resell to them and it all kind of funnels up to yeah. the top. Yeah. So I see the same thing happening in a more mature magic market where you have a big player coming in with money. That's exactly what's going to happen. Is okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Now this is all. Great information, especially in a market that is comparatively immature and shallow, both yeah. in terms of uh, collectors and uh, the producers of these cards. Uh, but I think it's all great information for anybody who's interested in learning about the market or anybody who even is thinking about entering the market for yeah. you know, low to high-end stuff. You know, there, There's a lot to absorb, and there are a lot of parallels and takeaways from the additional collectibles markets that are out there. It's not just coins. You know, we just happen to have this great resource in front of us, but you can also look at yeah. uh, comics and action figures are very much the same way. You know, yeah. if you, if you yeah. were to hit eBay and you, you look at something even as common as uh, toys from the 80s, G.I. Joe's, uh, Barbies, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Yep, you'll see a huge margin, or a huge delta, rather, in the price between graded and ungraded and full sets. Yeah. Like when uh, in the action figures, it's easy to see. You turn that thing around, and you can see every figure in that set. And you look at the price of the individuals, and they don't even come close to adding up to the sum of the full set when that thing goes yeah. up. Um, yeah. And that's. Time is money. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but with that, we want to wind down our conversation for grading for right now. This might be a topic that comes back up later if the market heats up in 2019 or thereafter. And we want to move into uh, our picks for this episode and I guess what's going to carry us over the next three weeks. Uh, and I'll go first to give you some, to buy you some time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with Settle the Wreckage. Uh, it's a card I've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. You know, I've, I've been picking Jeskai control cards and this is the last one of the bunch that I think can still see a boost. We just came out of uh, Worlds on December 18th and Jeskai Control was one of the decks that uh, was on the winning team I believe is on every team of the top 8 and Settle yeah. the Wreckage definitely won a handful of games it is the premier sweeper in the format it deters people from interacting in combat which is how Golgari wins combined with Star of Extinction you can pretty much close out that matchup Yeah. so barring anything silly out of any of the other guilds I think this card that's just been kind of a rope since uh, M19 at $7 is a card that's primed to go past 10. Yeah. And uh, as a player, I can definitely see that. And as a player in Sorry. modern, I, I think it holds. Yeah, I could see it, especially because it's an Ixalan, which wasn't a widely open set. Uh, that's, that's very fair. Yeah. I uh, kind of, kind of piggybacking on that because I could see it being a thing in Esper. Yeah. Uh, which, man, uh, today, which, granted, spoiler alert, we <laughs> recorded the last three episodes on the same day, yeah, including right. this one. Uh, today we had leaked the one Tithy boy uh, out of Orzov, oh, yeah. which, so, first off, Aristocrats could be very good in Standard. It, uh, the card is basically, spells your opponent's cast during your turn or one colorless extra, abilities that are aren't mana abilities also cost one colorless extra to activate during your turn. Mm -hmm. So my pick is going to be Isolated Chapel. Uh, it's like two, three bucks right now, which is pretty cheap compared to Sulfur Falls, which is ten. Yep. And I think you could see, you know, that, that effect uh, is something that obviously is mirror-breaking and control. And I think that the mechanic, uh, the afterlife or whatever it's called where you get tokens for it i think that is very good for breaking control mirrors and i think if we get even one pushed orzov legendary it pushes people more towards esper than jeskai granted expansion explosion is an insane card niv mizzet is an insane card so you know we'll see what we get but i could very easily see esper becoming the other control deck in the format so i've got Isolated Chapel, it could easily be, you know, seven, ten dollars if Esper takes off the way that Jeskai did. Yeah. Do you have anything for us, Larry? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Stoneforge Mystic. All right. uh, I'm just going to gamble that it's going to get unbanned again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I pushed my chips already. I'll, I'm all in here. Let's yeah. go. I, uh, it, it's always interesting. So there's, you know, Stoneforge Mystic and the political prisoner, Splinter Twin, yeah. uh, always seem to see a little bit of a bump pre-announcement. And afterwards, they always go back down. Yep. Except last time. Yeah, Stoneforge right. stayed. Yeah. yeah but that's... So it'll be interesting to see because I think, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that we've reached the floor yet. 
uh, for an unbanned stone forge. Like they're like twenty five dollars now. They could be yep. thirty five, forty bucks. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, Splinter Twin, I think the reason why that always goes back down is more and more people are starting to understand that uh, this is the coast does not want that reliability of you know the combo there. So yeah, I I, don't, I I'm still really salty about that game ban. I'll be honest with you, but. I can't see it getting unbanned anytime soon. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think EDH support is going to have have to shoulder Splinter Twin into oblivion. I think mm-hmm. they're going to run hand in hand for a while. Yeah, I've got I've got my playset of foils for EDH because why not? I only need one, so I've got three, <laughs> three just sitting there in case it ever gets unbanned because yeah. it's not going down for the foils. But that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, with that. You know, it's been a, a great month talking about graded cards, uh, hanging out with yeah. me, uh, Halt I Am Reptar on Twitter. We have Jason, who is Thirsty Sizzler on Twitter, and we have Larry, who is Coin Euphoria on Instagram. So you yes. guys have to figure that one out. I shared an account with somebody, just to be 100% clear there. Okay. So, He's half yeah. of an account on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. 50 50 business uh, thing. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Which, if you guys have any questions about graded markets or anything, I'm sure Larry yeah. here would be happy to answer and reach out to him on Instagram. Also, yep. for any coins, it's uh, I actually am going yeah. to follow your Instagram. You to sell some coins up, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boom, money made. But thanks for stopping in, guys. It's been a a great time having you, Larry, and we appreciate you coming to talk to us and you know helping us out with this discussion. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Thanks, guys. No problem. Right. Glad to have you. Thanks, guys. Thank you all for listening. See you later.